my name is Aisa and welcome to season 3 of Sick to Speak, the season of experimentation where we try out whatever crazy idea we have in mind and you tell us whether or not it's good. So today's crazy idea involves us discussing Malaysia's biggest speaking fails, what happened, what went wrong and what could have been done better so hopefully all of you will not make the same mistake. Seek to Speak so with me today are our Seek to Speak community members, Maslin. Hi, everyone. And Vishal. Hi, everyone. And our special guest is the one and only Mr. Harith Akma from the Comedy Podcast, a podcast that is consistently on Spotify's top 10 list in Malaysia and one which he describes to be 90% crude, 10% wholesome and 100% laughs. Thanks so much for being here, Harith. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes, so today we've got an exciting lineup for you, Harith. We'll be going through what we perceive to be a special curated list of Malaysia's biggest speaking fails. Are you ready? Is everyone ready? Yay! Okay, awesome. So first up, we have Harry Tan the Secretary General of the National Union of the Teaching Profession, or NUTP for short, speaking out against the National School Walkout Day on Astro Awani's Consider This. Check it out. How you see the widespread problem? Where the statistics, where the data? Who are they talking about? How many schools are we talking about? We have 450,000 teachers in the country. We have 10,000 schools. How many schools are they talking about? You have made a very sweeping statement. You have said a rape culture is in the school. Now, you're not talking about rape culture. What is culture? Culture means everybody is doing it. That's culture. For example, you know, no, rape when culture, rape culture means to culture. normalize. You go to any school, you know, there will be rape cases. There will be people talking about rape. The teachers will be joking about rape. The students will be joking about rape. So you're talking about culture. You're not talking about an isolated case. Or you're not talking about 10 cases. Or you're not talking about 100 cases. You're talking about culture. What does the culture mean? The word culture okay, is Harry, very ha- Yes, ha- Harry, you seem to take <laughs> a very defensive position. Is this no, the I'm not approach? defensive. When critics come out, is your yeah. approach to say, oh, where's the facts? I mean, why do you take a defensive position rather than being open to an exploration of it? Why are you saying I'm taking a defensive uh, position when I'm on the offensive? I'm saying, you give me the facts, you give me the data, you're making a sweeping statement. You're using the word culture. And offensive is right as well as him attempting to define the word culture. (laughs) That was Harry commenting on the Make School a Safer Place campaign and how he was against the National School Walkout Day, which was organized to raise awareness on the issue. Since appearing on Consider This, Harry has received massive backlash for what people perceive to be his insensitive comments with the Joint Action Group for Gender Equality, a collective of women's rights NGO, actually releasing an official press statement statement just to condemn him so he has since apologized but the first question i want to ask here is why do you think his statements even received massive backlash i mean did you think it was insensitive to ask for data i don't think it's insensitive to ask for data i just think it's it's from the manner in which he approached the entire thing i think his biggest mistake was engaging with ideologically charged opponents without knowing actually what his opponents believe in 
thus allowing the opponents to slam dunk him in front of an audience who already supports his opponents. So like, what am I talking about? He has no idea what the, the most rudimentary understanding of what rape culture even means. And, yeah, uh, he thinks that rape culture, everybody's raping each other. <laughs> like, it's not one, ten, or a hundred. Like, everybody is raping. Yeah, he says, you know, why are you know, students are all it. talking about it, teachers are all talking about it. That's what rape culture is. He's basically saying that rape is what's going on in verbally and, and in action from morning to night. That's what he perceives rape culture to be. Yeah, um, and Melissa tried to come in and say, no, rape culture is, is rape culture is yeah. normalizing <laughs> talk about and jokes about rape. So then he's like, just having none of it. So is it because of his misunderstanding or is, so what did his statements show? Just blissful unawareness of <laughs> what the, the people making the complaints want. At the end of the day, what they want is a safe space at school to discuss uh, problems surrounding sexuality, rape culture, and I think that I think that's important to f- to be able to have a space in education where you can talk about these things openly. So to be the complaint is that there's this sort of culture where students can feel unsafe, and when that complaint is raised, this uh, Mr. Harry Tan here gets weirdly defensive. He does some good things, which is like asking for data, asking questions like whether it's a widespread problem. But he falls short of answering the the reporter's questions. Like uh, one time the reporter asked, is there any willingness for uh, recognition even Mm. by the NUTP that there might be a problem? Are you open to asking that question? But then Harry Tan, he, he does take on a very defensive stance contrary to what he says. Yeah, as being an offensive stance. <laughs> I think you you hit the the nail on the head. That I mean, he it's all about the campaign, but instead he brought the agenda of you know teachers being victimized by this entire issue. When yeah, actually he just said, you know, we totally support this in the end. And what I love most is he he brought his his teacher teacher vibes into 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 that interview. Yeah, like was what like, is culture? Let what is me culture? school you. Where? Where the data? Bring, bring. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then asking asking questions back, right? But Bishop, why do you think he was acting defensive in the first place? So I think his main objective, and you know, you could tell this completely from the off when he was asked what do you think about the National School Walkout Day? You know, without missing a beat, I'm completely against it. You know, we don't support this and all of that. His entire objective and what he had in his mind, you know, during that segment of consider this was, I need to make sure people don't think lowly of the teaching profession. That's mm-hmm. all he wanted to do. He was like, I'm out here to make sure that the, te- the reputation of the teaching profession is upheld. And unfortunately, in steamrolling that objective, he managed to trample on any and all consideration for, you know, Norai Husniza or any other victims that are out there. Because for him, it was like, look, I need to protect the majority. And by doing that, and, and to do that, I need to tell people that this isn't a widespread problem. So it was just a massive overcorrection. You know, why else would you bring up? There's 450,000 teachers, there's 10,000 schools. The only reason you bring such big numbers to the table is to say that it can't be, hap- it, it can't be that 450,000 teachers are like this. 
Um, and to show it's so minor, it's like he pointed out, oh, it's just one person reporting Correct, it. exactly. It's one girl yeah. in one school. He downplayed yeah. it. I don't think he, trivializing it was his idea, but, you know, that's exactly how he came across. Mm, yeah. And you know... What the government also acted in the same manner, he was actually echoing what the Ministry of Education was also saying. Where is the data? Send me the list of schools that go that actually carries out this invasive period spot checks. And you know what? Malaysia Kini actually sent a list of schools, and then Awam, yeah, Awam actually did a survey, and they're like, "Dude, if we can collect data, why aren't you collecting data? Yep. Like, why are you asking us? Who who is it? <laughs> who are you asking for the data specifically?" Typically, you know, so I wanted to ask, like, why do you think it's harmful for like people in power to say things like this? What What is the implications of that? If somebody watching this, if you are a teacher watching this, um, I think when it comes to sexual misconduct, I mean, we don't have to go as far as rape, right? We have generations of victims who are afraid to speak out for fear mm-hmm. of getting attacked, right? So this unsympathetic view by authority and teachers who you're supposed to go for safety for would perpetuate this sort of sort of behavior that's that's the most dangerous part so now there's a whole people who are being victimized are not coming out i think that's that's the biggest harm to add to that i think we can also say that the lack of accountability by the people at the top Hmm. makes it even less encouraging for people to (laughs) think that hey if my teacher is not cooperative in mm. my, my, my struggles, I can't even take it to the next level because now we see this behavior demonstrated. It's like no one's there to help you, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really is a situation where a lot, you know, two steps forward, three steps back in the sense that we are talking about it, but the general defensive attitude of, like you said, the Ministry of Education, Haritan, and most quarters that are, I would say, on the receiving end of this backlash means that, you know, the next victim will consider 10 times before, you know, speaking up because, first of all, nothing is done. Second of all, the villain, you become the villain. How dare you, you speak up against the most noble profession of teaching in Malaysia? There's no way that teachers are doing these kind of things. You must do it because you want attention. You must be doing it because you're a loose character. So, goodness, we've made some progress in that it's become a national conversation. But the fact that we treat victims in this way, and on some level, the victim treatment is sanctioned by those in power, you know, the fear is going to develop like nothing else. Yeah, we have a huge culture of victim blaming. I mean, this isn't the first time that a teacher... I mean, have you guys heard about the MRSM teacher going on um, video saying that rape only happens because they're wearing sexy clothes. And then um, oh that God. also happened last year. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, program. Yeah. the thing is, I haven't heard perhaps the particular clip that you're talking about, but there are enough reports of various people blaming clothes throughout the year that that just fits in. Like, you know, you are part of the 2020 crew of clothes blaming people, uh, you know, um, as far as sexual harassment and sexual crimes go. It's so common that I can't even pick out um, that isolated incident. I have a question for the gang. Yeah. In, in my mind... Gang. I like this. <laughs> Go for it. In my mind, before you attend an interview, if you're, if you're a public, public figure or a press conference, I imagine that you are prepped by your PR team in terms of what our stands are, how you should, what you should say, what you shouldn't say. 
do you think he was prepped or he wasn't prepped or was he prepped and not prepped properly? Or do you think he really thinks like that? I don't know. How much is a PR team? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know whether the NUTP has an internal PR team. But, I, you know, when it's someone, I guess, as opinionated as him, it could be a situation where he's like, look, I've got this. I know exactly what to say. Yeah, I you got know, this. Not, I got this. Yeah, and this is always rodeo. on hindsight. Oh, yeah, I made a mistake. Right? But it always happens. Surely you thought about it. And coming in with that point of view is just... Is going to get you. Is going to get you some hate. Uh, yeah, you know, just know just ready your apology. I, I feel like in his yeah, mind, just ready your apology. Was, he did well. You know, he texted FMT. I think after the the consider this came out, he's like, I apologize for any insensitivity, and you know, my message didn't come across clearly. Probably in his mind, when I say this and I defend the teaching profession, the entire country is going to rise up in support. Be of behind me. me. Yeah, correct. The so, four hundred thousand teachers. Mm-hmm, this is the the like real um, epitome of this went differently in my mind. That's yeah. probably how it went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of apologizing, Ashley, uh, Harris, have you made statements which you took back and apologized for? I mean, on your episodes, they're they're quite crude. They're quite offensive. In fact, you've covered the Make School a Safer Place campaign, right? Yes. So like, how do you go about like taking it back, apologizing in a sensitive way? By putting truth above all and being uncompromising about the truth. So statement a statement that I took back was actually about this issue where I took Harry's side of it. I explored it and I asked the question, where's the evidence that uh, this is a widespread problem? And then in the middle of the episode, I stopped myself and I said, hold on, I don't think this is true because we can just look to unwanted pregnancies in Malaysia. It's around 500, uh, 5,000 now per year. As of 2019, I'm looking at this star report. And since 2013, yeah. something like 159,000 illegitimate Muslim children born since 2013. So you, I mean... That's the question of illegitimate, whether that's even a problem or not. Some people might say, so what if they're not married? But if if you're the kind of person that thinks that this is a problem, that children under the age of 18 are having unwanted quote-unquote babies, then you can point to like the sex education lacking as causing this problem. And mm. I don't need to look at reports of uh, sexual misconduct to point to uh, sort of rape culture, making students feel unsafe in their sexual education classes. I can just point to like statistics like this. So I, in my mind, I ascertain that's the truth. So I need to take back my statement about downplaying this whole thing being an issue or not. So, so you can yeah. connect the dots from the facts that you know. And even those facts could be underreported. Uh, we don't know the true numbers and and you're absolutely right in a sense that statistics of sexual nature is harder to come by because it's harder to report and that's why the data is missing. But this points to a very important issue that we need to speak about is the idea that how do we balance the need for data and an impartial investigation and being sensitive to victims? How do we ask for data and at the same time be mindful of how the victims would feel? Anybody has any thoughts on that? Especially now since so many sexual assault survivors are taking to social media, going online to share their stories. I think it would be useful to, let's say you're in a person of authority, be open to complaints and 
open to questions and only deny allegations when they are demonstrably false, which is what I think Harry Tan failed to do. Because the questions asked, the questions asked by the journalists were were reasonable questions to be asked, and he was uh, denying everything without actually being able to demonstrably deny the existence of a rape culture. Yeah, and I don't even know why he's defensive. Like it's not like he is the teacher that is being like, why are you being defensive? Right? There is no need to defend this unknown teacher that has since been suspended. What what, what do you all think? So this is actually really straightforward. Now, you know, full disclosure, I spent a bit of time doing, you know, being a PR practitioner. And, you know, before that, I was a journalist. So I've been on both sides of that fence, the reporting side and the side, you know, providing the information or the facts to be reported. And in a situation like this, he actually has not a very difficult job because we're not talking about an ongoing criminal investigation for which you need to be very careful about what you say. But it is ongoing though. It it just doesn't involve him. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't involve him. All he has to do is to say that we are committed to making schools a safe place for our young boys and girls. It is very important that they feel secure when they come to school and that teachers are a big part of making them feel that way. So, you know, anytime we receive a complaint or any sort of report about this kind of behavior, it's our responsibility to look into it um, properly and to gather as much uh, data and evidence as we can so that we can get to the bottom of it and find a resolution for all parties. Super simple. All you got to do is... Thank you. Mm. I should have done it for him. You know, he'd be like, I'm the Secretary General and this is my temporary assistant, Vishal, who's going to talk because I clearly am not able to speak without losing my marbles. It really was, I think, the sports team scenario or, you know, the country scenario. Now, let me just give you guys an example. Um, If a Singaporean were to walk into this podcast and say, I hate Malaysians, Malaysians suck, the four of us would be up in arms. This is just something that we don't accept. No, no, I would be like, <laughs> why do you think that's the case? Okay, well, you're a better person than me because, you know, I wouldn't accept that No, at all. you suck. Uh, Who are you? There you go, you see? so How did you get on the Zoom call? Yeah. <laughs> How did you cross the border? We're in lockdown. Um, you know, and many other questions. Essentially, he took a protective stance because he felt that this great big brush of an accusation was painting all of them and by extension him get asked these questions or when you respond to this sort of allegations, you need to take yourself out of the scenario and address the issue. It's not a personal attack. It's it's um, a problem. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You got to be open. You got to take yourself out of the issue. Must, if somebody, your friend comes up to you and tell you of a an assault, would you ask her, are you sure? Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, would you? I don't can, know, Must. We're not evidence? that close. Can I have some evidence? Where did you send yourself an email? <laughs> All right, on that on that um, note, I mean, where we seriously, we laugh laughing. about it. But so sorry to cut you off. We laugh about no, it's it. Okay. But it's you know it happens. Yeah, we People laugh about it because believe. because it's crazy that you would ask that of someone who has gone through a difficult thing. Like you wouldn't ask your friend or your sister and say, um, "Show me the receipts." girl like before we take this to the police no we are empathetic first and be open to their story so yeah thank you all for demonstrating that 
it could have been done a lot better in that scenario. So next up, we have Vishal. What do we have next? All right. So the next speaking fail that we're going to get into is a press conference done by the Member of Parliament for Pase Salak and also the ex-non-executive chairman of Prasarana. Aisa, play us the clip. I don't know what happened. Lambat, saya dapat tahu. Ya, jadi pada masa itu saya pun dah prepare untuk vaccination today. I'm going to have my second dose today, you know. So, walau macam mana pun, bila saya dapat tahu, ya, dah lewat, I made up my mind that I will come this first thing in the morning. Ha? Tahu first thing in the morning? Nanti kau cakap putih. First thing in the morning. That means how serious I am. Ah, how serious I am about this matter. So, pagi-pagi ada turun. Pergi tengok masuk dalam terowong apa semua. Yeah? Janganlah main. Orang kata cuba nak probok-probok. It's not good. Ini. Ini suka probok-probok. Semalam menteri pun dah turun. Yeah? Nancy Yoko pun turun. Siho kumpulan Datin, kemudian Datin Hadi. Everybody was there. And then Hafiza was uh, <coughs> at the hospital until 2.30 at night. Kan? Faham tak? Saya yang tak suka ni, suka perobok-perobok. Apa gunanya? Right. So, the reason why it was so difficult for me to choose a one-minute snippet from that press conference, boys and girls, is because it was a half-an-hour dumpster fire, if I'm totally <laughs> honest. And, you know, since you guys can't see a podcast, Harith is vigorously nodding because it really was the press conference heard around the country. Okay, quick facts before we get into the question. So, on the 24th of May, there was a head-on collision between two LRT trains on the Kalanajaya line. One was being driven uh, by a driver, so it was manually operated, and one was automated, as the LRT trains usually are, with more than 200 passengers on board. In this head-on collision that took place between Kampong Baru and KLCC, basically everybody was injured and about 40-odd people were seriously injured. So, before I guess we go into the analysis, let's just see what the room feels about this. You know, Aisa, let's start with you. Why do you think this press conference received such violent backlash? I think, first of all, it didn't it didn't fulfill the objective or the basic objective or minimum standard of a press conference of being informative and being sensitive to what has happened. And I think he also said a lot of terrible things. I think he was racist. He was uh, talking about how important he is, about how busy he is and about the things that he did in order um, to address the problem. So it really was a Tajudin show. No, you're absolutely right. So let's talk about, you You raised two very good qualities of a good um, press conference, which is informative, informative and sensitive. So let's start with the sensitivity because, you know, you need to package <laughs> the message the right way. That's really how it should start. And he described the collision as the two trains kissing. And he repeated this, I think, twice. You know, Like in English, it. he said that, kissing? Yes, the two trains kiss. And, you know, goodness, there is really no time or place for a joke if there are lives um, at stake and people were undergoing, you know, serious uh, procedures in hospital, including 
something called a cerebral resuscitation. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds insane if you're starting to operate on someone's brain. As far as the information is concerned, there was some information from him, but most of this really was, again, another defensive press conference where, you know, you said about the racism. Okay, so let's quickly bring that up. A reporter was asked by Tajuddin, where are you from? She responded, China. And he said, no wonder. Now, that's not direct racism, but nobody ever says Nobody no says one- it out loud. Nobody yeah. says it in a press statement. We say, uh, like, nobody old says people it, say it across the t- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because it's not meant nobody positively. You know, why, why would you say that? And the other thing about, I guess, him not being there the night before um, was that he found out late and, you know, he had to rest because he has his uh, vaccination the next morning. You know, the minister was there. Are you saying that, you know, you're more important than the minister. So the minister comes down, which means you're absolved of your responsibilities. Which so he's what? Tajuddin is what? He, he is. He, he was the non I love saying was and past tense for this. So he was the non-executive chairman for Prasarana. I see. So my next question, I guess, let me shoot this at Maslin, is was he even the right person to speak at this press conference? I don't feel that there's, there's, uh, there's anything wrong with him picking up the press conference. But once again, my question is, why aren't you prepped? (laughs) Mars is just so angry that no one's hiring PR agencies. I prep for this podcast. You know, when you're about to face the public, you should be prepped. It is a grim situation on the ground. Why, why, why are you not feeling that grim? Did nobody tell you? Did he not know? How do you know, know he's not prepped? Maybe he's just hard. He just has to go down A bunch there. of yes men around him. Yes, validating I do, I do feel he his... was not prepped. I think this is not somebody coming into a press conference to uh, reassure the public. I think this is a politician trying to wing it with his charm. And he's just winging it and he's always winging it and he's always gotten away with it, I suspect. So essentially, a glorified ribbon cutter. You know, you go somewhere, you say a bunch of things, you cut a ribbon, you sit at the main table and you're the guest of honor and you leave. Uh, this press conference was the complete opposite. So, Harith, I'm going to ask you this. What do you think... <laughs> okay, if you were his press secretary and you were standing beside him... Halfway through this dumpster fire of a press conference. Shoot myself. Yeah, what would you have done? Well, okay, shoot yourself is not an option. You need to do something, right? What would you have done? Unplug the the wire. (laughs) So, so, I would be jumping at the back like, please stop, please stop, or holding up a sign or something. But I I think this this kind of situation needs to be uh, tackled from the beginning. I would have just encouraged him to stick to a very strict script that I prepared. Absolutely. And answer questions with one or two sentences. Yes. Nothing more. And I was I would I would tell him to constantly attend bring the attention to the victims and how you're trying to uh, help them and uh, bring bring attention to the reports and just don't talk about yourself and things like that. Just avoid these personal questions about why you're late and all that. Just just talk about your continuous continuous commitment. In other In, words, you would have prepped him. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, That's like, me. I felt like he was thought, like a Trump okay. character. So yeah. I, I feel like he's the kind of politician that is exactly like Trump, where he thinks people are out to see him and not 
what he has to say or his designation entails and that he is an entertaining person to watch. So I think even if you were there, Harith, <laughs> short of actually just removing the mic, I wouldn't think he's the type to have listened to you. Because let's look at what happened after. Like what happened after Vishal? Was he remorseful? Okay, so so before before we jump into the into the aftermath, he did have somebody standing by his side and attempting to, I guess, um, you know, skip to the next question. She looked really stressed out. She looked super stressed out. You know, <laughs> I looked at her and I was like, "You are earning your salary today," you know. And what you guys are saying, you you guys are saying all the right things. You know, preparation. If you are unable to freestyle, get a ghostwriter to write for you, okay? Just a bit of a rap analogy. Essentially, if you can't go out there and spit some bars, you really need somebody to write down exactly what you should be saying. Put that on the track and get out of the room, okay? Is that is that is that what rappers say? <laughs> uh, sir, I wouldn't know what rappers say. I'm not. Okay, but basically, if you know somebody puts you on the mic and starts a beat and you have no idea what you're doing and you destroy it badly... Somebody else should be writing the answers for you. It's that simple. So, let's get into the aftermath. What followed was perhaps the biggest national backlash after Singapore tried to claim Nasilama as their own. Uh, so, change.org petition, something that generally never yields any results. It just gives people five seconds of an endorphin rush that I've done something and they share it. Um, and that's it. But when... A petition gets over 130,000 signatures in the space of 24 hours. You are going to start paying attention. Now, for comparison, there is a Harry Tan petition on change.org. I don't think it's even hit 1,000. We're in the hundreds. Aww. Okay? That's unfortunate in itself, but this 130,000 signatures in 24 hours should tell you the scale of the backlash. You know, everybody and their uncle had an opinion about it on social media, whether they were or were not involved in the incident itself. So the next thing that happened is that a day after the press conference, Tajuddin Abdulrahman's uh, position as non-executive chairman of Prasarana was terminated by the Ministry of Finance. We've never seen such swift action from you know, any government department or ministry over, I guess, really anything. If you compare the Ministry of Education's reaction to you know, the harassment issue and then you look at this, we're talking about in 48 hours, an accident happened, a terrible press conference ensued, and then a man lost his job. Fantastic. I you think know, they justice. always secretly wanted to fire him. They're <laughs> just, just like, <laughs> waiting to sign it. Like, you know, like oh, yes, served up the reason for it. He basically walked in there and took off the bulletproof vest and said, come at me, is essentially what happened. But what I really focused on after that was his own reaction to being um, called out to the backlash and also to the termination of his position. So I'm going to jump to Harith on that. Harith, my question is, you know, is it a right time for somebody to be remorseful or do you look weak if you double back on your tone and stance at that point? No, I don't think you don't look weak if you are remorseful. Uh, I think especially if you show empathy, which I think Tajuddin in this case showed uh, stunning lack of his <laughs> his excuses by the objective lens are nowhere near excusable for failing to perform his duties effectively like it was very clear to see in a situation where like the head of an organization you know you're expected to take an apolo apologetic tone or at least a tone of cooperation and empathy but instead instead we see someone who's defensive 
tone, with a defensive tone, insensitive tone to the victims of the tragedy. You know, the the prob- the excuses he brought up, like just exemplify the extent to which he's one of the most privileged members of our society. You know, like we all know who this man is. So your tone is like m- making you seem so important. Where where you're messing with people's ordinary lives here, who who are already frustrated at the government mm-hmm. because of the confusing SOPs, the the crowded trains, and the lack of I think how much did they get for that? Right, thousand ringgit was it? Yeah. So so the thousand ringgit was you know instant compensation, but no, Harith, I I agree with you. This this was not considered in isolation by this person. Now what am I saying? In 2017 there was an MRT crash in Singapore. And, you know, the, I have the details with me, but essentially the Ministry of Transport apologized for the error and, you know, put it down to there was a signaling problem. And, you know, we're really sorry for not only inconveniencing people, but for the casualties as well. Now, 29 people got hurt, which is, goodness, slightly more, it's about 15% of what happened for the LRT incident over here. And even the signaling, signaling firm, which is a French company, um, apologized as well. So if I was talking to him right now, I would give him the clear PR lesson of crisis control, which is very simple. Acknowledge, apologize, action, which is tell everybody what happened. Okay, an incident took place at this time in this place. And this is what happened. This many people got injured. This is what we're doing with them. Second, apologize. We're so sorry that this has happened to the families of the victims. We are going to do the best we can to make sure that everything is taken care of. And to the general public, I want to assure you that our LRT systems are safe and we're going to find the source of this problem and make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, the make sure it doesn't happen again is the next action. Ultimately, the, 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 the buck stops with you. If you're going to be the one to step up and face the public and the press, you are the person for whom everybody's going to turn to. So... You may not have been the driver who was driving on the wrong side of the track, but the way that you handle it reflects on the company uh, and reflects on the incident. So yeah, this was, uh, I guess, a highly eye-opening experience for Malaysians. The worst rail incident that we've experienced ever, and definitely the worst in um, LRT's 23 years of operation. So yes, that's it for my segment. I guess one closing question I have for anyone who wants to answer is... If you were with Tajirin right now, what would you say to him? You need therapy, dude. Like <laughs> you need like correctional therapy. Your parents, I don't know if they were new age parents and they raised you in a way that gave you an inflated sense of self-worth and confidence, but you need to go back to a place where you should be open to taking criticism and being sorry for the things that you said and not acting like you didn't care. Yeah, so that's what I would say. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. You should write him an open letter. Yeah. Hello, child. Oh, boy. <laughs> Mom vibes. <laughs> yeah, what would you all do? If he's right here. <laughs> Another analogy. If he got on the Zoom call and we get a chance to tell him something. Well, before we had the chance to say anything, he would tell us not to provoke him. That would probably be what happened. <laughs> but I digress. Yeah, Harith, well, you know, what would you say directly to the man? 
please don't sue me. I know I shit on you a lot on my podcast. <laughs> but, like, but like, you don't have a case. I've been consulted. Please don't sue me. Like, it's just, why, why? why? You're going to end up paying my lawyer's fees anyway. I'm a very busy person. That's what I would say. <laughs> That's why it's... Yeah. Harith also has legal background, by the way. I'm going to close off my segment by saying this. If you don't have the information on hand, it's your PR manager's fault. If you wrap the nice diamond of information in brown, you know, like scrap paper. Yeah, yeah. Sure, if you wrap it in poop and it looks like poop, that's on you. The diamond inside is on your PR manager. If your PR manager gave you poop and you wrapped it in more poop and you have a bigger, I guess, uh, like, what do you call, like, is it called a chunk? A burning poop? No, like, what what is a piece? (laughs) Okay, let's not get into that. Essentially... The the present comes from the PR manager. The wrapping paper comes from you. I think you were thinking hunk. A hunk yeah, of a poo. hunk. Yeah, a hunk. <laughs> a hunk, a chunk. Oh man, right. the vocabulary on this call is just... <laughs> I think we're doing all right. <laughs> on that note, Aisa, back to you. All right. And on that note, back to Muslim. <laughs> what do we have? What's our third speaking Okay, fail? so what I have for you guys today, this morning, is a wonderful example of what can happen in the esteemed chambers that is Malaysian Parliament. Aisa, hit it. Sebelum itu, speaker atas peraturan. Atas peraturan. Saya minta yang berhormat baling tarik balik kenyataan gelap tak nampak tadi. Ya, ini... So, amazing. Hmm. So it was a normal day in Parliament. <laughs> the Barukawan MP Business was standing. Yeah, she was asking for clarification on the lack of women representation in a newly formed committee. When out of nowhere, the Baling MP volunteered what I considered to be an unsolicited comment. The first thing that striked me was that the speaker doesn't seem to be overly concerned with what's happening in his chambers. Why do you think that is? Um, um, because yeah. everybody's kids in the parliament and this is normal day. Like, I, I don't know. To me, this sounds like just if you go on YouTube, it's like this. It's just so happened that this guy went out of his way to offend an Indian woman in our parliament and finally got a backlash. Okay, my question to Harith would be, the role of a speaker, I, I think I, you're all lawyers here, <laughs> tell me I'm right, is to maintain order in the chamber. What do you think happened? I think what happened was, uh, even though he shouldn't be, but on paper, he's allied to the government of the day. 
So I think he'll be less inclined to control the voice of the government of the day. You think that's? No, right? I didn't think about it. Yeah, that way. I didn't think about that. You know. So you think yeah. he was just? But the truth is, when you watch the clip, and I, I'm assuming all of you have watched the clip, everyone yes. looks bad. Everyone looks bad. Yeah, <laughs> you are the government. Uh, there's also this is the less likely explanation, but I think it's also possible. What would you do if you were in a room and there was a monkey just throwing poop <laughs> everywhere? You'd kind of be stunned. I mean, unless you have a very strong constitution, you might tackle the monkey, hold the monkey down. Maybe he was just unwilling to do that. So he's like, I'm just going to wait for this monkey to stop flinging poo. And I'm going to mute him in the meantime. Maybe like he's just like, this guy's too charged up. What can I do now besides mute him? Okay. That's an... The less likely explanation, but possible. So I'm not 100% sure, but allegedly that was his first day as speaker. Vishal, do you think that has something to do with his, I guess, lax day school attitude towards what was happening? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, Art Harun is, uh, he speaks well. Yeah. I've heard him speak. Yeah, he's smart. Yeah, and he's a, he's a smart, he's a switched on guy. You know, no doubt that was really a trial by fire when your first day in parliament. Look, out of context, right, Isa, if you had played that snippet, and not told me anything and I didn't know what was going on, I'd be like, ah, okay, you went to your local wet market and took a recording of people yelling, you know, yeah. about the price of fish and vegetables and such. Actually, it was. Uh, I did yeah. play that. Yeah. I would also ask you, why does there appear to be, a, you know, a gorilla screeching in the background, um, which is basically, you know... Um, the thing is this, you are elected to a position as important or as crucial to parliament as the speaker because there is, I guess, enough evidence to suggest that you can do it well and you can manage the members of parliament. It's not an internship. It's not like, hey, we'll try you out, okay, but don't worry, the first few days might kind of be tough, but you'll get there, you'll understand eventually, and we're sure that we can bring out the full potential in you. No, man, you know, you hit the field. You are Cristiano Ronaldo from the moment you step on the field. That's how it should be. People don't pick a Speaker of Parliament to train them for the job. They pick a Speaker for Parliament because they can do it from day one. But is it the Speaker's job? Like, do you think he's to blame in this scenario? I think he's, he's not to blame for the comment, but he's to blame for not being able to maintain order and decorum. Uh, the point I'm trying to make, very simply, is that you got to be good at it. That's why you're you're chosen as the Speaker of Parliament. It's that simple. So the question is, I mean, last question about this would be, do you think it was deliberate or do you think he's inadequate? Yeah, I just think that he was, he just didn't know what to do. He probably didn't <laughs> think it was a big deal. I honestly feel like a lot of I'm just going to say it. I, I feel like a lot of men don't realize the nature of their comments and how hurtful and offensive they are. And if they are allowed to stand, would create like this horrible precedent where a woman talks about how there isn't enough representation and somebody makes fun of how she looks. And I just think that as a, as a speaker who is a man, he probably didn't realize the gravity of those comments and he probably thought it was a joke. In fact, the only reason it became that ruckus is because somebody else stood up for her. Somebody said, hey, dude, Baling MP, you should apologize and you should take back. In fact, speaker, you should say something about this. I think if not for that dude, who is that, whoever that dude is, it wouldn't even be an issue. And the speaker would have just brushed it off. Yeah. 
Right. So misogyny. Hundred percent. There's a lot of things happening at one point. I mean, yeah, there was so definitely things. toxic masculinity in the room, and you can always tell weak people by the fact that they go after someone personally instead of going after the issue. Super simple. Let me bring up my best friend once again. <laughs> you know, it's 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 the middle of 2021 now uh, when we were having, I guess, the budget discussion in parliament towards the end of last year. Tajuddin was the one who called Said Sadiq a Buddha in parliament. Oh, he's the guy. He's the guy. He's a gift that keeps on giving. You know, he's one of my favorite people ever. He's the most... He's the best unintentional stand-up comedian in Malaysia, I feel. But, you know, you're right about it being toxic masculinity. Now, there's definitely an air of misogyny. But I think, you know, when you call Said Sadiq a Budak, basically, any of these people who are threatened by someone who, you know, is different for whatever reason, then they pounce on that difference in their attacks rather than going after the issue. It was a low-hanging fruit. Right. Yeah, completely. It's, well, you know, it's it's really strange that in 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 you know in this day and age we consider someone's skin color to be a low hanging fruit. You know, just I guess for everybody's benefit, one of the reasons why Maslin's topic was this is because you know we felt it would be better for me to remove myself from this segment because I'm Indian. The joke being, of course, is that I'm unfortunately one of the more fair Indians that you'll yeah, see. But yeah. this, but this, but the skin color um, attack. Point. Is, is the point. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the most common way to go after an Indian person in this country when you disagree with them for whatever reason. Um, and the know. response was quite common too. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, I'm black too. I'm dark too. Saya pun gelap. Yeah, Saya pun gelap. Yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. But are you guys realizing that the joke defense is really the de facto defense? Yeah, it is. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. the rape the entire rape culture explanation of the first segment, you know, about the national school walkout, the Nurain Husniza, the defense was, we were just joking. Mm. The teacher was joking. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm just going to move on to the next thing that I thought was an issue was that there's no, throughout the altercation, they seem, it appeared to be, there were no other female MP standing in support of Kasturi. Do you think this is because A, they don't agree? Or B, they just didn't get a chance to get in sideways or they didn't know what hit them. <laughs> what are your thoughts? First, first, yeah. first, I want to highlight and make clear the, the sexist part was the pakai beda, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the sex. Which means to uh, wear powder, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I get your question yeah. because I was thinking, you said gelap so pakai beda, selesailah masalah. Like how does that selesai? Salah. Sipak bergelap, pasang lampu. Baru selesai masalah. Yeah. So, I yeah, I think either the women didn't take offense or our our power structure is so dominated by the masculine that they don't feel like uh, speaking out might be productive. And I think the latter is the more probable answer. Ah, I get what you mean. It's like watching two cats fighting. You just let them finish. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're a female cat and it's two male cats fight. Wait, no. Horrible analogy. <laughs> Apologies. I mean, there's so many animal analogies to compare our parliament no, I totally with. get what you mean. It's like, okay, let's just let them get it out of their system. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't know what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, any thoughts? Why do you think there was a lack of solidarity among women during this inter- altercation? 
I mean, I, I, I don't know what the women in um, the parliament were thinking, but I just think that it's hard for a woman to stand up and like, especially on the spot, to call out an injustice. And especially in parliament where you often feel like you're lucky just to be there. So I think that it was just never, it was never to begin with a safe space for women to stand out and call out misbehavior. And I, I think that is why they didn't feel like they could do that. Don't get me wrong, after so many women politicians, Hannah, you condemned those statements. I don't know if they missed it. I mean, it's very long also. You know, I mean, they um, might not be in, in the chambers that day. Yeah, they yeah. might not even be in but chambers there were day. definitely women in the chambers that day and they didn't say anything. And you think it's because they weren't confident enough in themselves and, to And I also up. think it's normalized that sometimes female inter- women also internalize some of this unconscious bias and don't themselves <laughs> think it's something bad. Okay, so we have one vote for let the cat fight. One vote for it's not a safe space. Vishal, what do you think? Okay, so look, there's prob- probably going to be an angry mob outside my house after I say this. but We're not going to tell them where you live. Uh, okay, that's fantastic. I don't think you even know, um, which gives me a great amount of comfort. <laughs> so the thing is this, you know, he went, he went after cover. He didn't say... And I'm trying to remember whether this was said in parliament or outside parliament. But I feel like there was an incident in which a politician mentioned something about temper and time of the month. Now, yeah. that, that is, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember who said that. Yeah, there was. Every single example at the top of my head is Tajuddin saying something to someone. And um, I don't think he was responsible for this one in particular. But essentially, that's, a, that's an attack on females. And completely unacceptable to say. I don't think that the other female members of parliament looked upon this as a female attack. It was a race attack, you know, the way that I read it. And, you know, I'm not going to say subject matter expert. Yes, I've been on the receiving end of some racial attacks in my life as a Malaysian, an Indian. And, you know, going after the color is definitely a race thing, not, not not a gender thing. Yeah. So that's perhaps why they, I don't think they saw it as their fight. Okay. So sometime somewhere, the speaker stated that because Baling MP retracted his statement, he no longer need to make a ruling on the point of order. Do you agree or disagree that a retraction is equivalent to an apology? No, it's, it's, that's why it's named differently. And I think that's why newspapers, when they get sued for libel or defamation, they are required to retract and apologize. Retraction is the recognition that what you said is untrue. Apologizing is to basically show remorse and say, I am wrong. So I think a retraction just says, I, I changed my mind with what I said, but it doesn't take into account. It doesn't put you accountable for what you said. So no, I do not think at all that it is the same thing. In fact, I think Baling MP got away with this quite lightly. Do you think he got away with it lightly? Yeah, I think he was asked to apologize yeah, the next I, yeah. day, if I'm not mistaken. And he, he did eventually, but, didn't he? I mean... I, I think that would be an example of an apology that is a bad apology, like a sorry, not sorry scenario. It was a uh, Tajudin style apology. Yeah, no, Tajudin's like not sorry. That's what like, I like about Tajudin. He, he, he is, unapologetically he is, offensive. He is fully gangster. He's like, nah, I am going down with this shit. <laughs> Nothing I say or do is wrong. 
So we we all believe that an apology was in order. What do you think goes through a parliamentarian word, mind when asked to make an apology, but don't? Why didn't he just make the apology? It's so easy to say, I retract and I'm sorry. What? Sorry for what? I'm dark. I'm also <laughs> dark. You see my skin color? Huh? <laughs> I'm darker than her. What's the problem? That's what's going through his head. Yeah, <laughs> he is defensive. Yeah, I think to his mind, he's like, oh, okay, la, you asked me to apologize because your job is on the line. Okay, la, I apologize I, okay, for you. I for completely you. disagree. I think these people are not stupid. He knows he did something wrong. He really? didn't apologize because he didn't want to. Absolutely. I think Marcel is right. For a lot of these people who bully people in this, in this way, an apology is the equivalent of showing weakness. And for them, you know, the 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 brand of masculinity that they carry and wear so proudly means that at all times, they need to show people that they completely believe in what they are doing. Nothing that they do is wrong, but they're always right. Yeah, so, you know, I, I agree with Muslim. I don't think he he's unintelligent. I think he knew exactly what was going on. And he was just really quick on the counter to look down at his own arm and realize I can use this as a defense. That's it. He's quick on his feet. Okay, so to round this up. I think there, there was enough backlash. Uh, MPs uh, spoke out. Uh, tons of people online spoke out. It's just that it tends to be from the woke bubble. The the bangsa bubble. The where bangsa I, bubble. Where, 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 I, where I happen to live. La. And like, you oh, know, you live in Bangsa? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. You also personally attacked attacked the, 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 the Bangsa bubble <laughs> is not just Bangsa. It's anyone who lives in Klang Valley and okay. habitually speaks English. That's that's Correct. the Bangsa bubble. It's a state of mind, not a place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every mob does not know where to go. Uh, Final question. In all aspects of society, there is an unspoken code of conduct that governs us. Do you think what happened in Parliament that day is a result of the failure of the people to hold reps responsible or accountable on how they carry themselves? Are we not setting a high enough standards for our leaders to live up to? Harris? Absolutely. The reality of Malaysia is the Baksa bubble is an overwhelming minority that's loud on Twitter. Uh, the reality of this country is most people are... They, they just don't give a damn. Uh, this is not a big deal to most Malays, in fact, who are the majority in this country. This is not something they care about. So even though they should, they just don't. Yeah, I, I was I was talking to a friend who said, you know, politicians carry themselves to a standard that society sets. And because standards of society has declined, politicians today get away with far more than they did in previous I guess, previous time. What do you think of that, Vishal? Right, okay. So the thing is this, a politician, okay, in a Malaysian member parliament, you know, these are representatives of society. When you say society, it encompasses these people as well. So in <laughs> a part sense, of society. I'm gonna, they are part of society. So in a sense, I'm going to say that you're right because what we accept on the street is what gets accepted, you know, all the way to the top in parliament. So generally, okay, if you can contrast this with an organization or a company, you would say that the fish rots from the head, which is that the culture you set at the top is the culture that permeates downwards. Here, it's the other way around because, you know, we elect these representatives. So in a sense, we are putting up the people who we think are the best of us to lead the country. And I guess 
if we set higher standards for who these people should be, then ultimately the ones who end up leading the country or end up in parliament will be better. But if we are the ones in charge of putting these people in positions of power and authority, then, you know, who are we choosing? So you're right. It may not necessarily be that, you know, the man on the street has to completely um, improve his decorum, but you have to choose somebody at a higher standard. And if you think that your misbehavior is acceptable, then you are just going to choose someone with similar levels of misbehavior. Right. So my final thoughts in this is that when I watched the clip, I wasn't surprised because I have been following Parliament for quite some time. But I, I shared it with a friend who has never seen what goes on in Parliament. And her, her remark was, oh, so that's why they're not really bothered to open back sessions. With that, I pass it back to you, Isa. Right. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> let's close this episode with actually a quick lightning round because there are some honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list, but were still terrible enough for us to mention in this episode. So what I'm going to do is since it's a lightning round, I will be putting 30 seconds on the clock after I introduce to you the honorable mention or a communication fail. And then each of you would have 30 seconds seconds to give me your thoughts on the matter and I have my handy dandy bell oh to boy. help me out with this so what happens if I you can't make up the 30 seconds pass, I mean you can just you, pass. you, 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 pass, oh, you yeah pass. you can pass <laughs> all right can so I talk about the weather? what I <laughs> I mean if you want if that comes up so Ooh. I have a YouTube timer which has 30 seconds so what I'll do is I'll introduce the communications Fail, and then I will ring the bell and we'll start with Haris and then Maslin and then Vishal and then back to me to introduce the next honorable mention. All right. Are you, are you all ready? Is Let's everyone ready? That's right. Born ready. <laughs> all right. First up is we have Najib's interview with Al Jazeera. So in 2018, Najib lost his cool and walked out of an Al Jazeera Ow. interview when the reporter grilled him on the 1MDB scandal. Since then, Najib has been convicted and sentenced on 1MDB related charges. And the broadcaster actually won a prestigious UK TV award for that interview, interview of the year, actually. So thoughts on that. Let's start with Harry. Is. Bro, you got roasted. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you did. We know what you did. And then you know what you did. And then you left the damn thing. It makes you look so bad. Why did you lie? The most effective speaking stems from the truth. And in this case, you had a speaking fail because you deviated so far from the truth that you couldn't stand to be there. And yeah, just, just zero out of 10, bro. Okay. So what I love about our former prime minister is what I love about all politicians. When caught in the corner, don't know what to say, <laughs> they have this ability to just walk off in a huff. And they do it with style and bravado. So 10 out of 10 for confidence, 0 out of 10 for public speaking. <laughs> Yeah, he was absolutely indignant, right? He was like, oh, I'm not going to take this. Like, <laughs> What's what All he right. did? 
Vishal. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with Maslinda because he didn't walk out with style. Walking out with style <laughs> is uh, Dumbledore caught in the headmaster's office about to be arrested by Umbridge in the Ministry of Magic when he grabs a phoenix and disappears in a burst of flames. That's oh, style. Yeah, high standards. Uh, so, so the That's thing about super Magic, specific. Oh, absolutely. He was given a platform to clear his name and speak his truth and absolutely bottled it. You are literally in a chair where you can answer however you want. And you decided to throw a tantrum. Zero out of ten as well. All right. Next. Last year, ex-Miss Universe Malaysia went to her socials to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. She said on her Instagram, To the black people, relax. Take it as a challenge. Makes you stronger. You chose to be born as a quote-unquote colored person in America for a reason. To learn a certain lesson. Accept it as it is. Till now, hunger and poverty exist. It is what it is. Best you can do is remain calm. That's your responsibility. Of course, backlash was quick and swift. Thoughts? Harris? I'm just going to be quiet for 30 seconds in solidarity with BLM. Good move. Just putting it up. Yes! Momo silence over Maslin. Um, I think BLM deserves 60 seconds, so I give my 30 seconds <laughs> to BLM too. <laughs> No, it's just it's just have that never been so long. No, it's just this that the precedence you set. You don't have to respond to something so banal. I think sometimes you know, so sometimes I think silence is appropriate. Like, who cares? But we can't be silent as she say this. Okay, I don't know. She's gotten enough backlash, lah. Vishal. Right. So <laughs> what we had was a masterclass in completely failing to read the okay yeah <laughs> from you guys right unbelievable tai chi uh, you know my solidarity is in my silence nobody can ever fault you for that but in our dear Samantha Katie James uh, position a complete failure to read the room and thinking that somehow her opinion was helping people when it was in fact hurting them yeah that was just failed who was preparing her <laughs> All right, next also happened last year. Our lovely women and family ministry issued a set of recommendations on how to manage households during the movement control order, including for women speaking in Doraemon's voice and giggling coyly. Wives were also told to avoid nagging their husbands. Again, the post has been taken down after international newspapers. Yes, we were covered internationally for this. Ha ha ha. Thoughts, Harris. Okay, so this one I'm very conflicted because men do find higher registers pleasing. It's a fact. But I don't think it's her place to be telling people, uh, women how to make their husbands happy. It's just weird. It's like, did we ask? You know what I mean? This is the kind of thing you tell someone you're close to if they're having problems and if they asked. It's essentially like, how do I make my husband's pee-pee happy? It's, it's a weird thing to be telling the whole country. Sorry. I didn't know Doraemon was something that was factually more attractive than, <laughs> than a normal voice. But thank you. Maslin, yes. My question is, who is the PR team that prepped this campaign? And I would like to challenge them to maintain a Doraemon voice. I, I, I hope they're women. But if they're not women, even if they're guys, and see how well that works for your marriage. Vishal. Right. Okay. So this is just victim blaming, unfortunately, uh, where you're trying to, you know, put a 
band-aid over a bullet wound and say that, you know, stop nagging, change your voice to a beloved cartoon character, and that will solve all the problems of domestic tension during a lockdown. It was around that time that the helpline for victims of domestic violence was also suspended by the same ministry. All-out failure. Sorry, the timing's off now. <laughs> yes, but thank you. Yes. That concludes our lightning round with some really varied responses. <laughs> thank you all for that brilliant analysis in 30 seconds each. So we've come to the end of the show. And to end this episode on an even higher note, I wanted everybody here to just give me their final thoughts on what were the common mistakes made by all of these people who messed up and what can be done better. Oh, All right. I, I think what uh, Maslin said quite often throughout this episode hey, is very hey. applicable. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is, who is their PR team? Who is their PR <laughs> team? That was a common mistake. <laughs> okay, uh, any advice? Get a better <laughs> PR team. <laughs> oh no, Maslin's like, that's my whole thing for this whole episode. You've taken my identity. <laughs> All right. Uh, Vishal, how about you? Estrogen okay. injections. Okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, no. I'm going to go from the pre-tragedy to post-tragedy. And I'm going to say that mistakes happen. Wrong things will be said. So really, when you've said something wrong, either in response or if you've said something wrong in the first place and you are a public figure or it becomes public knowledge, just come back to the three A's. Acknowledge, apologize, next action. You know, it doesn't guarantee that you will immediately be forgiven or what you've done will be forgotten, but it is the only step in the right direction. Awesome. All right, Mas, I hope you had enough time to come up with <laughs> no, an alternative thing. Uh, a line of <laughs> dialogue. I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go back to my, my segment and say I think public speakers or public-facing personnel should hold themselves in a higher standard, no matter what's happening around you or how you personally feel. Set yourself that high standard, live up to it. And I think that should be the backbone of how you conduct yourself. And it would lead to better speaking, hopefully. Oh, yeah, that's good advice. Uh, also. Awesome. All right. And for me, I just think that people should just be nicer and kinder. And I think if we're more open and sensitive to other people, we, we will just say the right things because it comes from a right place. And with that, we end uh, our first round of Malaysian Speaking Fails. Thank you so, so much, Harris, for coming on the show. And thank you, Mas and Vishal, for joining us this morning on a Sunday. By the way. Thanks, guys. Good, <laughs> good to meet you. Maybe one day. Of course. It, it was fun. Okay. In 2020. Hey. hey, everyone. It's me again. I just want to give you a warm official welcome to season three of Sick This Week's podcast. You've just listened to our first episode. And in this season, we actually explore the power of words and the impact that it has on people and places because the theme for season three is the power of words. We truly, truly believe that strong speeches can move nations, words of comfort can save lives, and stories shared can empower others. So we hope to inspire more people to 
speak and tell their stories through our new episodes. I'm here to let you know that in order to celebrate the launch of our new season, we are conducting an amazing giveaway with our launch sponsor, Kapajul Malaysia. Here, we'll be giving away a newbie coffee bundle worth RM105 each to three lucky winners. All you have to do is follow Sick to Speak and Kapajul, like, comment, and tag three fans on our giveaway post on Instagram, share that very same post on your story and you're done it is that simple i'll be sure to include the links to the giveaway post in the show notes competition deadline is 7th august so start commenting folks winners will be chosen randomly on the 8th of august so if you want to know more about our launch sponsor copper joe malaysia here is the amazing founder telling you all about this amazing local business hi guys this is dash from copper joe malaysia we aim to make home coffee brewing affordable, therapeutic, and less intimidating. At Cup of Joe, we also have specially curated coffee kits to kickstart your home brewing journey. Also, every coffee with us is locally roasted with different roasters to ensure that no two cups of coffee is similar. We want Malaysians to explore our local roasters as they take so much pride in roasting and providing the best. In collaboration with Seek to Speak, I would like to say that words are powerful because I believe it has a special effect on how we interact with people and how decisions are taken. It is an important tool to express ourselves and with Cup of Joe, we aspire to communicate with every Joe out there to enhance and elevate their coffee experiences. So do use our promo code SEEK2SPEAK20 to get 20% off our brewing kits. 